Welcome to This Week from the Principal's Desk, a podcast about Lutheran schools and their leadership. This podcast is hosted by two Lutheran school principals. My name is Rob Lunak, and I'm the principal at Mount Calvary Lutheran School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my co-host is Mike Scheman. My name is Mike Scheman, and I'm principal at Bethany Lutheran School in Parma, Ohio. And today, Rob and I are going to kind of crack a topic that is fairly broad. Um, even before we started recording, we were talking about defining this topic, and I'm curious to see where this is all going to go today and, and to hear your thoughts on it as well. But we wanted to talk a little bit about the principal's role in instructional leadership. And even that that whole phrase just sounds like a mouthful. Uh, but as a principal, one of the things that we are responsible for is the teaching that goes on in the classrooms of our students. A lot of times, of course, when parents are looking for schools, they start talking about which schools have the best test scores or which schools have the best results. And now there's a whole other podcast to be done there on the importance of results and test scores in various demographics. But if parents are looking at that as, as a measure for them, um, that's important to know. But even more important is how we as administrators are guiding our teachers to become excellent instructors in the classroom what resources are we providing for them and how do you measure excellence that is going to be a key question for us to explore today so we're going to talk a lot about that and uh hopefully we can engage in conversation through various means as well yeah this is one of those topics that uh, this can get a little prickly because if we're honest about our role as principal if kids aren't learning can we call ourselves an effective school and yes, we are Lutheran schools and the Lutheran part comes first, right? We teach kids that there's a God that creates them, loves them, and redeems them. But if they learn nothing else, hey, they're, they're redeemed and saved for eternity, but math is still important. Reading is still important. Social studies is still important. And we need to make sure that our schools are doing those things well. And I think it's easy to say, well, you know, I'm not responsible for everything. I'm not in the room all day. And you're right, you're not in the classroom all day. But at the end of it, you are the one responsible for everything that happens in those classrooms. That falls on you and you alone as principal. And so it can be easy to come up with a bunch of excuses why we don't have time for this, or this is somebody else's responsibility, or well, I gave them the training, but they didn't use it, or I gave them an opportunity to go somewhere and nobody took me up on it. And all those can be true. And at the end of all of it, at the bottom of all of it, it is your responsibility alone as principal to make sure that those things are happening in those classrooms. And this, this is an episode that's, I think, going to be a little difficult for me to record personally, because this is something I'm bad at. Like, I feel convicted, and we haven't even really started the conversation yet, because there are so many things that I could be doing or should be doing that I'm not doing yet. And you know, what do I need to do to bridge that gap? So I am doing some of the things that we're going to be talking about. So if you're listening and you go, hey, I'm great at this, please call me because I need to learn from you. <laughs> and maybe maybe we need to do this again with you on the podcast because there there is so much to dive into here. Okay, so we've we've called out the mountain now. Where Where's our first step going to be, Mike? That's a great question. I'm with you, Rob. I know that this is something that I think every principal probably feels that they could be better at. I know I sure could as well. Um, but I really think that if we're expecting our teachers to be excellent instructors, one of the key points is we need to be there with them. 
We need to be with them along that journey. And, and that can look a lot of different ways in different schools. I've always felt that one of the key points here is to be, be with the teachers for principals to be present. I'll never forget, I was giving a tour. Um, this, was, this was a little while ago. And even before I got to the classroom, there was the teacher. And so introduced the family to the teacher. And I, I said to the family in front of the teacher, you want to come to our school for this teacher. She is one of the best. And do you know what they're learning right now in their classroom? They're doing this in science and they're doing this in math and they're doing this in reading. And we, so we had a great conversation It ended. Later on that day, that teacher came and found me and she said, she said she was impressed at how deep I knew what they were doing in their classroom. She said she didn't expect that from an administrator. And I hadn't really thought about it. The only way that I knew what was going on in that classroom is that I had a, a motto in my head or something I tried to do to, to live up to is to be in every classroom every day. And when you're in the classroom, when you're present, you're going to know what the teachers are teaching. You're going to know topically what happened. You're going to see the art project they just put up on the wall. You're going to hear the kids sing, whatever it is. But then you get those examples, not only just to share with families for marketing purposes, but oh my gosh, you can easily see these teachers are hitting the standards that we have set for them. And if you can vouch for that, if you know that this is what's going on, you're able to support the teachers. As an administrator, it is important for you to know the standards. And for you, it's not just one grade kind of got to know them all. And I have a lot of work to do there. I generally know what these standards are, but that way, if if we're in May and I can see that one teacher has not, not even hit half of the curriculum in a particular area, um, I'll be able to, to recognize that and realize, okay, we got to work with this with the teacher. One differentiation I want to make that it is really commonly interchanged is the difference between curriculum and resources. So many people say, what curriculum do you use for this, that, or the other? And they'll say, oh, it's Pearson. Oh, it's my view. Oh, it's whatever. No, those are your resources. Your curriculum are your standards. And teachers really need to know what the standards are that they intend to teach. And if you can walk alongside them as an administrator, you're going to build a lot of instructional leadership. You're going to be able to support them. You're going to be able to know how how you can best resource your teachers to do those things. Yeah, and that, that's a really good point. And there's another part in there about being trying to be in every room every day is you're building a relationship with that teacher. So when something doesn't go well, or there's something you, you want to try to stretch them in, you can more easily have that conversation because they're not going to go, oh, well, you were in on a bad day. You can say, no, I'm, I'm in every day. I, I know what's going on in your room, right? You see me all the time. It's not like I'm never there. And that the more often you are in the teacher's room, the easier it is to have those conversations, the easier it is for one, you to build up the courage to have them and two, for the teacher to be able to hear them. And that is just so, so important. If, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, try, try, try to get in classrooms really as much as you can. And there, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's so easy to stay in your office all day. It is. It's one of the easiest things you can do. <laughs> And you have plenty of things you could be working on. And you can always say, well, I had work. And you're right, you did. But you got you to gotta make it a priority and you got to get into those rooms. Now, your point about do your teachers know the difference between your curriculum and your resources is huge. Because if you buy a new textbook series and you throw out everything you've ever done and your teachers have to start over from scratch, that's stressful for them. That doesn't build continuity for your students going from third grade to fourth grade who all of a sudden are doing brand new things that maybe weren't covered in third grade or maybe are now repeated in fourth grade, you're, you're wasting some time and energy there. 
And then you lose a little bit of ownership because if all you use are the resources, you have no control over what you actually teach. You don't. Somebody else does. Some some publisher with a, with a deeper pocketbook than you have gets to write what you're teaching. And that's not what any of us want. We want control over that. Using a well-resourced textbook series can be a good starting point, but don't make that all that you're doing. And we've talked about this in the, I think we had a curriculum episode as well. So we've talked about that. I think we've talked about curriculum, haven't we? We have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to being intentional because if you're just reading through the, the series in your textbook, I think we're taking some of the art out of teaching and teaching is an art there and your teachers like to be able to do that and like to feel comfortable in it and if you're teaching something that you just read you're not going to feel comfortable with your lesson it's probably not going to be your best lesson and so how do you as principal as instructional leader make sure they're comfortable with the standards that they are comfortable with the resources that they know the pacing and they know the sequence and that they feel equipped to deliver that to students. That's really what instructional leadership is about. The resources are one part and they're an important part, but the delivery is really what we're talking about here today. Right, and I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you have not seen your school's curriculum documents, maybe you're a new teacher that just came on and and they gave you the teacher manuals. Well, the teacher manuals are not your curriculum. Go to the curriculum documents, go to the standards and find out what those things are because some of the standards, you, you, well, I think of any of them, you could teach through various means. And maybe you don't like the way that your resource teaches that standard. Well, go teach it a different way. Find another way to engage the students. I also encourage, I think instructional leadership is also something where you look at cross-curriculum groupings because we are very much tied to our traditional schedule. This is my math block. And this is my science block. and This is my language block. Well, all these things play together and we know that as teachers. So if there's any time type of project that you can do or teaching that you can do that grabs a couple of standards from here and a couple from there and brings them all together, you're giving your students a more holistic learning experience, which I would almost argue is more like real life than the typical block schedule that most of us use. So as a teacher, you can get creative and being an instructional leader says you're going to take initiative. You don't have to do it the way that it was done before. And there's two jumping off points for that. A reason, a big, big reason of that is know your kids. Because as you develop the relationships with the students, you're going to realize you can't do it the way you did it before. Maybe you can draw elements from certain things that have happened in the past, but your kids are different and they deserve a unique tailored learning experience. So if you're a teacher that saves all your lesson plans year by year, and what you do is, hey, it's it's the fourth week of school now. I go back to my fourth week of school last year and dust them off. I'm going to challenge you. Throw them out. Throw out last year's lesson plans and start over. Get to know your kids. And I think that's really going to be a specific big thing that you can do. But the other thing, too, know your kids. But as you get to know your resources, challenge them. Really look at them with some critical thinking skills and say, is this resource really teaching what I need to teach in an effective way for my kids? And again, if it doesn't, talk to your administrator. You don't have to buy a whole set of a curriculum resource to use with your kids. You could buy one book from here and one book from there. You know, TPT, I, everybody talks about Teachers Pay Teachers. I have a love-hate with that site. Um, 
do what you will with it. I encourage you vet it thoroughly if you're going to use TPT, but pull from there, but also pull from your own knowledge. You've been trained to be a teacher. You've got creativity. God has given you skills. Don't be afraid to step out and try something new because education or instructional leaders show initiative. They show creativity. They show love. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things that I, I try to share with our teachers here is if you know the standards we're teaching, there's no reason you have to use the textbook. There isn't. And I'd go as far as to say that I don't think every teacher even needs to use the same textbook. I think the fifth grade teacher can use a different textbook than the sixth grade teacher and a different textbook than the seventh grade teacher. And th that idea of, oh, we have to buy the series and the whole school has to use that. Well, if our standards are already aligned and we're using those textbooks as resources and not the main document, then no, we don't need to do that. And that, even just think of the budget savings, like how much do you spend on a new textbook series? <laughs> Think about if you didn't need to do that and you're like, no, no, we only need like these five because we've built everything and we have it. And these are just resources that we're supplementing into what we're doing. There, there are just so many more opportunities, I think, when you get away from, well, here's what the textbook is and that's all that we use. We have actually been mapping out curriculum using uh, an app called or a program called Curriculum Track. We've been doing that this summer here. And that's been really beneficial just even in the two days we've been working on it. Because teachers are taking their their textbooks and the pacing guides out of those and the standards that we're teaching and merging all that and then looking at it and going, oh, we we hit this a bunch of times. We could probably move on here. Oh, I don't need to do chapter five. They did it really. They did the same standard a year before. I can review that and we can move faster. You have so many more opportunities once you thoroughly know what all of that is. But you need to build it and it has to take time and you have to be intentional about it because it doesn't build itself. Because if left to their own devices, people will pick what's easiest for them. Everyone, we're human. We're, we're all a little bit lazy, whether you, you say you are or not. We all are a little bit lazy in our own ways, right? And so it's easy to silo up and say, well, I'm doing my thing and I'm just going to follow the book and no one's going to ask me about it. No one's going to question me about it. And that's just going to make my teaching day easier. You can do that. I don't recommend you do that. And we have so many great teachers that they don't want to do that. Pushing... It feels like pushing teachers out of their comfort zones, and it, it is for a lot of them. But we are making them the best versions of themselves, which is exactly what our goal as a school is for everybody. We want people to grow and mature and learn, and that goes all the way from your 3K classes all the way up to your principal. We are all wired that way. Right, and I love how you just said that too, that sometimes it, it is easy to go the easy route. Now, I know as teachers, there's times where we need it to be easy. Maybe life has been really rough. Maybe we're behind on a million things. Maybe there's stuff going on at the home front and it's just too much to handle. And so there's times when we need it to be easy. But the challenging question here is, is easy effective? If teachers go and they, they take it easy, are they effectively teaching the standards to their kids? I guess it depends what you look at as easy. Now, if you're teaching a math concept and you're going, wow, I didn't have a time to do this project-based learning assignment that I wanted to do. So I'm going to give them a worksheet. Okay. Every teacher's been there. I've been there. I get it. But take the time to look and see, does the worksheet or whatever you're going to do match the standards you're trying to teach? And just because the worksheet has 20 questions on it, do all the students need to do 20 questions in order to demonstrate to you that they understand the particular concept? Maybe they only need to do the first 
10 and you get it. You have to decide that as a teacher, but I get it when people need life to be easy, but keep your students at the forefront and make sure that your easy remains effective. And maybe one way you can do that too is set the bar higher for yourself than just easy. Set the bar for yourself as excellence so that if you have to revert to easy, you know, okay, I'm making the choice right now. I'm not hitting that bar. I need to get through this, plan your way through it, and then get back to that. The other thing I'd encourage people to do is look around your building. Um, I guarantee you that you are going to have some people in your building who really are instructional leaders, who, who step out of the comfort zone, who set the bar super, super high and analyze what they do. What are those teachers doing that is something maybe even that's replicable? And you don't want to elevate one teacher over another, but if a teacher has a really good practice or something that they're doing that is impacting their students, ask them to share that practice. Or even as an administrator, find your weakest teacher and find out what is something that they are doing really well. But if you have this idea of where your teachers are on a spectrum of instructional leadership, you could put mentor groups together. You could have teachers work on one thing or the other. You don't have to go outside for extra resources when God's already given you great teachers in your building. Um, so take a look at the skills that the teachers have, try to connect them, try to highlight those and create that standard of excellence. Yeah, everyone's got their teacher, that teacher in their building that goes, oh, well, we, we need to find the binder for, for the new teacher and it's got all the stuff in it. That is your instructional leader right there. That's that person. And I think sometimes I, I know if when I worked with a teacher like that, my first inclination was to like roll my eyes and be like, chill, relax, it'll be fine. I'll figure it out on my own. But that that wasn't a helpful attitude, right? I really should have embraced that person and learned more from that person. Think, think of it this way. How upset would your teachers be if you gave one teacher all the new technology, all the new lighting, all the new desks, all the new carpet? You gave one teacher all the new stuff. They'd be like, well, that's not fair. Their room's better than mine. Now take that same mentality and apply it to the level one teacher in your building has to their standards and say, hey, that one teacher is doing everything better. And we need to copy that and replicate that and get that into all the rooms instead of shying away from it. But when it comes to something that is a lot of work like that, that is something somebody is doing like that, we think, well, we can't replicate that. That's just how they are. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, we can replicate that. And that's what we need to focus on doing. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't let just one teacher have a smart board. So why would you let just one teacher have a good grasp of your standards? You wouldn't want to do that. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I totally agree soapbox. with that. Yeah, you're good. It's a good soapbox to be on. <laughs> Part of this too, though, is as an administrator, you need to model this. Um, make sure if you're an instructional leader, devote time to it, make it a priority in your school. I know it's so easy to have a staff meeting agenda of, you know, who's on chapel next week, who's got recess duty. If you can email something to your staff, don't waste your time in a staff meeting to do it. Staff meeting is valuable time. And so take your staff meeting time and say, you know what, today what we're going to do is we're going to actually crack into our, uh, our science standards. I think your teachers will be surprised that you're devoting time there. But if that's where your time is, that's where your value is. And as Lutherans, we do. We talk about excellence all over the place. Lutheran schools of excellence. Well, excellence, of course, is a relational topic for sure. I mean, that's that's number one. But when we're talking about excellence, we can be talking about excellence in instruction, excellence in curriculum, excellence in individualized instruction. And I carefully crafted that last one because it's so easy. I still wrestle. And Rob, I'd love your 
take on this. I wrestle with sharing school-wide test scores or rating a school based on the test scores. Here at my school, I mean, I we've got kids that are all over the map. We have IEPs, we have 504s. I don't shy away from that stuff. We have a whole remedial department. Now, if we did the standardized test scores and use that as our norm, I can't say that our school is, you know, a uh, blue ribbon up the top number one kind of school. But when I can track student progress based on standards and the ways that the teachers are meeting the needs of the students, boy, am I proud of our school. And you know what? Our average is not A plus, and I'm 100% okay with that. Yeah. What do you I, think? That That's always an interesting one because I think the growth part is really important and not every kid is starting from the same baseline. So to expect them to get to the exact same finish line is maybe a little difficult but I'll put a caveat there. I think it's also easy to hide behind the growth portion and set lower standards for some of our kids. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we do it intentionally, right? But I think it happens and I think it's an easy trap to fall into yeah. because I do want all of our eighth graders to rise to a certain level. And I realize that that will be harder for some of them and some of them might not make it there but as long as that is an accomplishment for that kid to a level that you as a teacher deem that is actually stretching their ability, I'm okay with that. If you're like, well, they'll just never do it and I'm not going to worry about it, that would be bad. And So I would encourage against that. Now, we have one little other thing to talk about here that you put with a question mark in our show notes, and that is merit pay. And I don't know of a single Lutheran school that does it. Uh, but I would, if there's anyone listening who has like, merit pay based on test scores or anything like that, I would be curious to talk to them. What you want to explain a little bit about why that's in there? Because I had the same question you did. Um, <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> I, this is a concept that I have heard thrown around. Um, and I think I, I am familiar with maybe a high school that does merit pay. Um, and, and I guess I I just wanted to throw it in there to start the discussion. I don't know if uh, if I think it's ethical. I don't know if I think, do we then penalize teachers whose kids don't perform at a certain level or reward those whose kids do perform at a certain level? Um, I guess I'm more, yes, pay is one motivation, but are there other motivations that we can use in order to bring our teachers to a level of excellence? Now you could look at that on the flip side and say, if your teachers are not performing to the level that you have set out for them as a standard, well, then you need to evaluate your teachers. You need to put plans in place to bring your teacher up to that level. So it's the same thing. Do you, do you reward the child for being on time to school when that's just the regular expectation, or do you put, procedures in place to correct bad behavior. It's just something that I think is worth mentioning. Again, like you said, I'm not totally familiar with K-8s that do it, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's somewhere out there where people say, we do this, and I would love to know why and, and the process behind it. Yeah, if if you're listening, please please call me. I have so many questions. There, there are so many things that I'm just not fully... I haven't thought it through enough to figure out where I stand on it. That's one of those two. Okay. So let's let's do a little bit of recap. We, we've laid out the mountain. We've talked a little bit about what instructional leadership can be, how it benefits a school, how it benefits teachers, how it benefits kids, what some of those metrics for success would look like. What else have we not covered 
Or is this one of those where we maybe need another deeper dive into part two? Good question. And if we're going to dive into deep, deeper part two, um, I think we could talk more about the administrator's role in equipping the teachers to be instructional leaders. I also think we could look at models. And I know I've actually done this a few times at various schools where you got to get out of your building. You know, as teachers, we don't get a chance. Our teachers don't get a chance to see other teachers teach. And I think about other professions where you can go and observe somebody else and you can see those things that they do. And sometimes with the blinders on of your own school, uh, you can get stuck in a rut. So we, I think there's methods or, or ways we could get our teachers to go to the neighboring Lutheran school or a neighboring charter school or public school even. I mean, if they'd allow you um, and, and check out best practices. So I think with professional development, we've talked about that before, but man, we could always talk about that because I think it's a recurring good thing. Yeah. Hopefully this has been beneficial and helpful. Hopefully there's things you can take from this. Like we've said before, we are just two guys who happen to talk weekly and record it about these topics. Yep. We are we are by no means experts. We are by no means the only ones with ideas. These are just ours. And it's just to start a conversation and get people thinking. So if you have anything you want to contribute, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can leave a a comment. We do read those uh, reviews and stuff, and we do take suggestions on other episodes. So if there's something you really want to hear another principal's take on, or maybe you're a teacher and you have something you want your principal to talk about, but you're too afraid to ask them, you can ask us and we'll give you at least our take on it. Don't take that back to your principal and be like, well, these guys said, please don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't name drop me like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're here to be a resource if we can. Mike, you want to close us in prayer? Let's pray. You bet. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today. We are thankful that Jesus is our master teacher, that he has taught us what we need to know about life so that we have a, a road that is paved for us into heaven because of the work that he has done on the cross. Lord, it's a message that you've called us to share, and it's a message that we gladly share with our students, with our families in the ministries in which we've been called to serve. Lord, as we continue to move down the road and we have lots to, to teach our kids about the world around us, I pray for all of those who teach and I pray for all of those who learn. Open hearts, Lord, to receive the knowledge that you would pour into them and open the minds of teachers to be able to be creative, to take initiative, to do anything that they can to pour into the lives of these kids as they are pouring into the generation that is to come as leaders in our world. Lord, bless all of the efforts of, of those who listen, bless all of the efforts of those who serve in our uh, Lutheran and Christian school ministries, that more might come to know about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.